My fellow investors, welcome back to a new episode of the Newcomer Investor Channel where we talk about stocks, share insights and debate. I hope you're having a wonderful time today. Before we even get started, I have to remind you that nothing I say in this podcast is financial advice. In fact, it is entertainment only. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just telling you what I do, but I have made mistakes in the past and I'm sure I will make many more in the future, so always do your own research. The first news of the day I have to share with you, I have finally taken the decision to exit my positions in Microsoft and Apple. Yes, these are arguably the two best companies in the entire world. I can't think of other companies that have a wider moat, that have a bigger chokehold on consumers than Microsoft and Apple. And yet, I decided to leave for two reasons. The first is, I was sitting on a pretty good profit. I made roughly 40% on both of them, which is not too bad, you know what I mean? But the second thing is, those positions were so tiny, so insignificant. At that point, you know what, I figured, this is stupid. I have too many positions anyway, might as well just take those profits. And what I did, I put all that money back into the S&P. So in a way, I still have that exposure to those companies, but it is in a way that is more passive, that I don't really have to monitor as much. I'm happy to still own those companies indirectly, and I want to have a larger ownership of the S&P 500 anyway, and so therefore, this felt like a good decision. The next big news on our list is very significant. The rivalry between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, which has been brewing for a while, you know, it's, it's been known, they're not fans of each other. It has reached a new high now that Facebook has officially launched Threads, which is an app that is dubbed the Twitter killer. Now, I don't know if you've signed up for Threads. I personally have. I did it with my investing stuff. I did it with my music. And uh, I love it. It's very similar to Twitter. It's pretty much a copycat. People say it's the friendly alternative to Twitter, where it's going to be probably less about all this politics and people shouting at each other and more about connecting and having fun with your friends and family. And uh, as of today, it is July 9th, and I've heard they've hit 93 to 95 million signups already. So we're very close to that 100 million mark, which is such an astounding number. I mean, it's basically, it's one of the fastest adoption of a product in the history of the world, as far as I can tell. Uh, and the reason they were able to do this so well is they make it so easy, if you already have an Instagram account, to move over to Threads and, and just copy your account details and just make a duplicate right there immediately. So great move from Mark. Uh, he has shown over time very, very smart and capable leader. They either build products or they just acquire products that they're scared of, like Instagram and like WhatsApp, right? Uh, but when it comes to making copycats, I mean, they did the same with Reels, right? I used to be on TikTok, but now I only look at Reels. It's so much easier because I'm already on Instagram. And now they're doing the same with Threads. I don't know, if you, obviously, if it's going to be successful, but it, this is a great start, and it's not looking good for Twitter. We already know Twitter has had a hard time staying afloat and making a profit. Uh, Elon had his turnaround plan. Part of that was firing 80% of employees, so reducing expenses very aggressively, but I'm not sure whether that's enough. Now, there isn't as much public info as before because it's now a private company, but, uh, you know, behind the scenes, I think they're having a hard time. Meta, on the other hand, is a massively profitable company already. If you recall early episodes, I did touch on the fact that with their profits, they can afford to just try stuff uh, and drown out the competition, right? 
So I don't know how successful Fred's is going to be, but given a track record, I wouldn't be surprised if it grows to be a pretty important part of their business moving forward. So good on you, Mark. Uh, very happy for them. Very happy for Meta shareholders. I'm no longer one, but I am still rooting for their success. I will also say, however, that this does not necessarily spell the end for Twitter. Yes, it's difficult, but I think there is room for both platforms to exist, especially if you look at how they are trying to build, even if it's the same product, the type of audience they're trying to attract is a little different. You know, Elon has his vision for the free speech oriented digital town square with exchanges of ideas and, and robust debate and all that. And Facebook's version, like I said, is more about connecting with your friends and your family and, and less about all the other stuff. So you can have both platforms. So for Twitter, it's just about how do they keep reducing expenses and how do they start attracting more revenue so that they can stay afloat and actually be a business that makes money. And that's up to Elon to solve, but I don't think that threads existing will necessarily destroy that. Okay, our next piece of news, again about Elon Musk, but this time regarding Tesla. These are some news, my friends, that have made a lot of waves and generated a lot of frustration and anger over here in our North American audience, but Tesla is among 16 uh, car companies in China that have signed a pledge to adhere to China's core socialist values. And a lot of people said, oh my God, why would you do this? How could you endorse this government, uh, this regime? It's very different from us. Let's look at what's even going on and how do we get there. Firstly, the Chinese market is the world's largest market uh, for electric vehicles. Every electric car company wants to be there and wants to succeed there. Next, if you've been following the news, you know that there have been very, very aggressive uh, price cutting measures going on in the, uh, the industry. Uh, and it's been hurting most of the manufacturers. The main two that were benefiting from it were Tesla and the other largest Chinese company called BYD. But all the others were suffering very much. Now, the Chinese government, being the interventionist government that it is, they have a way of meddling in industries, right? They basically told all these companies, you have to stop doing this now, otherwise there may be repercussions. And that's what this whole pledge was. So these 16 companies, they basically just signed and they said that they would stop doing that, and Tesla was the only foreign company to do so. Now, if you know me and if you've listened to some of my episodes in the past, you know that I'm actually not a fan of Elon Musk. I respect him, yes, but... I have had doubts and, and skepticism surrounding his uh, ability to lead all these companies at the same time, and also just on his overall judgment on, on some key decisions he's made. I've also, while I've enjoyed the Tesla product, I think it's fantastic, I have not been a fan of the stock. However, when I see everyone attacking him for that decision to sign this pledge, I actually think the attacks are misguided. This is the one example where I think they've actually shown uh, good judgment. Now, over the last few years, it's true that this Cold War has continually grown. Uh, and of course, it's been compounded by the war in Ukraine, right? Between the collective West and then the Russia-China kind of axis. But here's the thing. For companies that are already in China and that are aiming to be a global player, they have to play by the rules. There's no choice, right? Tesla's already in China. It's actually about 30% of their annual sales come from China. For a new company now that's created in America, they can choose where they're going to operate. But... If you've already been big for a while and you have significant operations there, then you have to do everything you can to continue being successful there. So I have to tell you, if you own an S&P 500 index, but you think that Elon is crazy or a traitor for signing on to these things with the Chinese government, may I remind you, you have massive exposure to China as well. Our world is interconnected, my friend. Apple is huge in China. Starbucks is huge in China. Most S&P 500 companies are 
and would be impacted if there were issues. So everyone has to comply. So Elon Musk agreeing to sign that uh, that pledge is good for Tesla shareholders. May I remind you what happened to one of my stocks, which happens to be a Chinese company, but that unfortunately angers the government, Alibaba. You know, we had a high of what, 200 and something dollars, even maybe 300 and something US dollars, and it's now around 80 or 90 dollars, all because they angered the government. So this is what happens when you cross them, and if you are already there and you have a significant operations there, you have to follow what they say, even if you don't like the regime uh, or the laws or things like that. And, and again, similar here in the US or in Canada, right? We Companies that come here have to follow our laws, and if they don't, then they will get in trouble and won't be able to succeed. So this is one good move by Elon and Tesla. I'm glad for Tesla shareholders that they did that and they continue to try and gain market share in the largest EV market in the world. My position on Tesla as an investment though is unchanged. I love the business. I think it's fascinating and it's just interesting to watch them grow, but I am not ready to invest in this stock. I'm okay just holding it via the S&P index. That's fine, but I'm not going to buy this. Now, the next item on our agenda, this is music to my ears as it concerns one of my stocks that I currently own. On July 5th, it was announced by the Ontario government that Bruce Power would study adding 4.8 gigawatts in generating capacity to their existing uh, plant. Now, if this plan materialized, this would actually make Bruce Power the world's largest nuclear plant ever. They already generate and provide about 30% of our province's power, and this would be an even greater number. So, great news. I love hearing this, firstly as a human who cares about the energy transition, trying to go towards more carbon-free types of power like nuclear, but also because yes, I am an investor indirectly via TC Energy. My friends, TC Energy, the pipeline giant that is demonized because they have this coastal gas link pipeline that everyone hates, and also because hey, yeah, they do move oil and gas everywhere across the continent, and even in Mexico, they also have a 48% economic interest in Bruce Power, and of course, that is where people like to paint things in black and white, but it's really all about shades of grey. Most of the large energy companies who are involved in the production or transportation of oil and even coal and, and some of these dirty sources, they are also some of the largest owners and or investors in renewable or other type of carbon-free uh, energy. And that is a truth that we have to grapple with. Now, I'm happy to see that TC Energy is embracing some of these new types of power, and it's going to be a greater uh, proportion moving forward when it comes to their activities. So that's great. Uh, happy to see it, and I, I like the stock. Now, I will also say, and please remember, this is not a buy recommendation or financial advice, but... TC Energy right now, I personally find intriguing. At the market price of $52, that's a 7.15% dividend yield that, in my opinion, is well covered by their cash flows, meaning they bring in enough cash that they can afford to pay this dividend. The price is at almost a five-year low, which also suggests an interesting type of opportunity. I was also very curious, so I looked at the five-year pro progress of the business itself. Earnings per share... In 2017, were $3.09. In 2022, they were $4.03. Uh, that's up 39%. And their dividend in 2017 was $2.50. And then $3.60 in 2022, that's up 44%. You know, the business hasn't grown at a super mind-blowing level like Apple, let's say. But it's still very reasonable performance. And again, given the dividend yield, given the, the, the stock price right now... I think it's an intriguing opportunity, and it's certainly on my watch list. I wouldn't say it's the number one stock that I would buy right now, 
but I, I may buy a little more this week. We'll see. I'll also point out that it is the eighth largest holding in the XEI ETF that I talk about all the time. That is the Canada High Dividend uh, Index Fund. So, you know, if I don't happen to buy more of TC by itself, I'm certainly going to be buying more of it indirectly via XEI because that is a position I want to grow anyway. And our final piece of news for today, and this is a big one, uh, over here in Canada, we have a bill called Bill C-18 that has just been passed through our parliament. Uh, I believe it should take effect in uh, about six months. This bill would require the tech giants to pay uh, Canadian media organizations for any news that they share on their platform or repurpose on their platform. In a move that our government was probably surprised by, um, the tech giants, instead of saying, okay, we'll do that, they said that they would just would not share news anymore. So that includes Meta and Google, though I heard Google is open to negotiating, but Meta so far is not. Now, in response, several Canadian media companies have said they would suspend ads uh, on uh, Meta's platforms. These include two companies that I personally hold, uh, Kibikor and Bell. If the situation really does unfold without some kind of compromise or solution, then this would change uh, Canada very much. However, Meta, I don't think this would affect them too much in terms of their profits. So it's, it's quite concerning. Now on the topic of media, I do have to tell you, the more I've been learning about it, the more I've been disappointed by it. I think there is potential, but overall it's not a very healthy sector. I'm thinking specifically when it comes to Kibikor's media outlets. The wireless and phone business is really the crown jewel of this company. It accounts for about 80% uh, of their revenues and it's it's just firing on all cylinders. But their media arm, the Group TVA as it's known, has been not very good the last couple of quarters. And uh, I, I'm eagerly awaiting next quarterly results, which should be in early August, but it's I think it's not looking good. So. I don't know if they're considering it. I've seen an interview of the CEO talking about how, you know, committed they are to holding on to it, but I personally as a shareholder would like to see them actually get rid of their media arm entirely. Uh, if they could find a way to sell that, that would be great. Uh, but until then, I think it's going to be a drag on their performance. And uh, I haven't dived deep into this, but I imagine something similar would be for Bell Media as well. So all these media outlets right now... They're having a hard time, and if this thing really happens with Google and Meta, then it will be even worse. So that's something to look out for if you hold any of the telecoms, which also have big media activities. Anyway, that just about sums up this episode. As always, my friend, if you enjoyed this, please give us a five star on Spotify or on Apple Music. Uh, please give us a subscribe on YouTube. Very excited to have you along this journey. Thank you for listening to the Newcomer as a channel, and I look forward to connecting again with you soon.